Blog Talk Radio. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. Welcome back to the Remnant Call. I am your host, Brother Frank, and glad to be here with you. Uh, folks, I don't know about you, but it's been a stressful month or two, and and this world is stressful. Work is stressful. People are finding out they've got you know, cancers and different things like that. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm about ready for the Lord to come back and just get rid of all this stuff and let's just live with him forever. And I know many of you are feeling that right now. And so I pray tonight that this program would be an encouragement to you. And if you did not get a chance to listen to last week's program, when the ground gets holy, it's a picture of the remnant and the temple and the, and the sanctuary and the holy and the most holy place. Folks, you notice the closer you get into the most holy place, just like the priests, there were many priests out in the outer. But as you got closer, there were less and less because it's like the remnant. As we draw in, you know, sometimes the, the crowd thins out, but God is going to do something amazing. And I want to encourage you to get on that program because the Lord wants to change our lives. And he understands he's going to make us holy, not by your flesh. Your flesh is already proven it will never be holy, but by his spirit, God transforms us into a new creation. Well, I'm not going to mess around tonight because we got our favorite, one of our absolute favorite guests on tonight, and that's Brother Benjamin Baruch, and he is here with me, and I'm going to bring him onto the program without any further delay. Brother Benjamin, are you here with us tonight? Oh, hey. Hi, Frank. Hey, blessings, man. Thanks for joining us here. Glad to have you on, Brother Benjamin. Oh, well, thank you. It's always a blessing to get a chance to come on the Remnant Call and, and to be able to reach out and, uh, and touch the lives of uh, a few of God's remnant people. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord has always preserved a remnant, and uh, this Amen. time is no different. And so praise God. But thanks for the invitation, Frank. Amen. And, and Brother Benjamin, I uh, appreciate uh, you always taking the time to come on here and be a part of the show. I mean, you're more than just a guest. I mean, you are a part of this show, and I really thank you for that. And Benjamin, we had a, you know, we've been praying about a solemn assembly and, 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 and some stuff like that, and, and we talked kind of briefly, got into that. But Benjamin, we've had a, some changes and stuff, and didn't know if you could speak to the audience for a moment about that. Yeah, th- well, thank you for the reminder. Yes, we have been praying and asking God to to open doors for a, a solemn assembly and, and maybe more than maybe more than one maybe several and, and we ask our listeners you know be in prayer as well we were commanded in the prophetic writings of Joel to gather together in, in solemn assemblies to declare and proclaim a fast and to for the people of God to gather together in a time of weeping and rending of our hearts, and not our garments, and 
you know, and really to to search our hearts and to get right with the Lord before the before the day of judgment begins. And and uh, I think two weeks ago in uh, the part one of the Zechariah message, we mentioned that a revival has been announced for uh, the weekend of Pentecost, May 19 or so um, next month in Gary, Indiana. And I was initially approached by uh, the people that are organizing it, Lindley Oz, and, um, and asked to be a speaker. Uh, that has, has changed. Uh, I'm not going to be part of um, this event. Uh, the leadership of the event has been turned over to a man who goes by the title of bishop, who's from the apostolic Pentecostal uh, religion. And, um, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't really ascribe to the doctrinal teachings of that religion and uh, will not be associating with the event in any way. Um, And so, you know, we are making public announcement that we're not involved. We won't be participating in um, had you been planning to go, uh, you really ought to check in with the Lord, and um, you know perhaps um, you know I wouldn't go without getting absolute confirmation because uh, it's a big expense, it's a lot of time, and you know if it's not something God's actually called you to do, you certainly don't want to you don't want to be a part of something that that the Lord doesn't want you involved with. And enough said on that. Um, praise God, brother. We're back in the book of Zechariah. Let's and, do it, um, man. I think part one, we ended at the end of chapter two. I thought you had a and, comment. I knew we were in chapter two, yes. You're, you're right. Yeah, we're we, ended with, two. Hmm? we ended with chapter two. And that's where, that's where we want to pick this up. But you know what? Let's pray. Brothers and sisters, men ought always to pray and not to faint. And, and so let's come together in prayer. And those of you that are listening by archive or tape delay, you know, uh, you are free to pray as well because the, the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And, and, Father, I thank you that we have been chosen in Jesus and that we have received the covering of the blood of the Lamb and the covering of the righteous robes of the life of Jesus and the atonement of the death of Jesus and the victory of the resurrection of our Lord. Father, we look to you tonight and we, and we cry out and we ask, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, a word of truth would come forth that would deliver the captives, that would bring conviction to the complacent and bring conviction to the sleeping. Awaken the sleeping people in your remnant. Bring your conviction upon all of us, Lord, and turn our hearts back towards you, that we would be holy and blameless and righteous in your eyes, that we might be counted among your remnant, that you will, that you will take up as your jewels, the end of this age and so we thank you we commit this time to you lord pray that the teaching of your word would be edified and blessed by the power of your holy spirit and that the word would go forth to accomplish your perfect will in jesus name i pray amen 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 thank you father you know praise god um book of zechariah is for sure one of my favorites although really you know when you talk about the scriptures they're all favorites, and, you know, the Word of God is so awesome, and the Lord is so amazing, and, you know, His wonders, you know, the, the little uh, opening um, sound clip that you use, Frank, where that, you know, it recites the Scripture where the Lord says, and I will show wonders. 
going to talk about the some of the wonders that God has prepared tonight as we get into the book of Zechariah in part two. We're going to start at the end of chapter two, the last verse of chapter two, where the prophet declares, Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord. For he is raised up out of his holy habitation. And that word for be silent is hasha, and it means hush. That's where we get the word hush from. Hold your peace, hold your tongue. Keep silent, O flesh. Be silent and be still before the Lord. For the Lord is lifting himself up. He's raising himself up out of his holy habitation. You know, I, and the the concept of the Lord raising himself up or standing up is, is consistent with the judgment of the people. The Lord always stands to judge the people. Isaiah chapter 3, we read, Say to the righteous, it shall be well with him, and you will eat the fruit of your doings, but woe unto the wicked. It will be evil, and it will be ill with you, for the reward of your hands is now going to be given unto you. And as for my people, children are now their oppressors, and women rule over them. O oh, my people, which lead thee, they which lead thee cause thee to err, and they destroy the way of thy path. And the Lord stands up to plead, and he stands up to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people, and the princes of the nation, for they have eaten up the vineyard. And the spoil and the plunder of the poor is in their houses. And, and so the Lord declares that he's going to stand up. He always stands in judgment. I remember when the Spirit of God spoke, and this was 20-plus years ago, I remember the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord declaring, The Lord God Almighty is standing now, ready to judge the entire earth. And as the Lord stands up, and prepares the judgment of the entire earth. The, the prophets of God warn the people, be silent now, O flesh. All flesh is to be silent. If you are walking in the mind of the flesh, you, you should keep your words few in the house of the Lord. And if you are walking under the knowledge of good and evil in the carnal mind, you've not yet entered into the spirit mind of Christ, you're still in the mind of the flesh, which is really the condition of the many. And in that place, you can't discern between one voice and another. You know, many will come in my name and deceive many. How is that possible? Because the many that are being confused and deceived are all walking in the mind of the flesh. And in the mind of the flesh, you can't tell the voice of the master from the voice of the mockers, of the court jesters. It's only through the mind of the of the Holy Spirit, only through the mind of Jesus Christ, can you discern in your spirit when you're hearing the anointed word of the Lord. And so if you don't know, this is a good time to be silent. Now, there are many who've come in his name. The Lord didn't call them, yet they came. The Lord didn't anoint them, yet they speak. The Lord didn't instruct them, yet they teach. And it's foolishness for them, really. Now, why would they do such a foolish thing? Well, I guess for the vainglory, uh, maybe they're so filled up with pride they think their opinion is somehow relevant in the house of the Lord. 
Maybe they came for the money. They thought they could merchandise the truth. And uh, maybe it would be a cush job. I don't know why they came, but I can tell you it was a grave error to appoint yourself a teacher. The Lord has not called you to teach. For those who've been called to teach the Word of God, they shall endure the greater judgment. And so pray for your teachers. We have it harder, you guys. You know, but the Scripture testifies those who've been called to teach will be subject to an even greater judgment because they've been instructed in the things of God by the Lord himself. Therefore, they are accountable for what they have learned from the Master, and they better be doing it. And so, let there not be many who would to teach in this time, and let there be none who speak in the house of the Lord out of the mind of the flesh. That's essentially the, the admonition of Zechariah chapter 2, the final verse of chapter 2. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord. This is a good time to shut up. If you don't have anything anointed to say, best to not say anything at all when you're in the presence of the people of God. Because our opinions are meaningless. And we either have an anointed word of God or we've got nonsense in this time. And, and you know, there's an entire watchman community out there. I really, you know, I don't know why they call themselves watchmen, as we'll see from the text tonight. They really don't meet the standard of a watchman. I call them a newsman. They're really just newsmen. And that's fine. If, you know, there's... There's some people that have really good news ministries, and, and they watch all the news, and they report the news that's relevant to Bible prophecy, and that's a good job. But they don't come forward trying to teach their own versions of Christian doctrine. They're just reporting the news. And then there are others who've come, you know, thinking that they somehow have been called to teach. They're like the prophet Hananiah in the time of Jeremiah. You know, he was convinced he had the Word of God, and all he had was his delusions. And it ended up costing him his life. He rebuked and he mocked the prophet that God had chosen, and, and the consequence was he literally paid with his life. Well, praise God. Jeremiah bore witness to the truth. Zechariah has borne witness to the truth. The Lord stands up. He raises himself up before he judges the people. And, you know, I find it's... It's just such a blessing in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. The, um, John the Baptist spoke to the people, and he said, I baptize with water, but there's standing one among you whom you know not, and he will baptize with fire. When the Lord came as a man, when he was born and came into the world as a man 2,000 years ago, he stood among the people, but they knew him not. Well, the Lord's about to come and stand among the people again. Only this time, when he appears, everyone will know. So let's go to Zechariah chapter 3. We'll start with verse 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? And that word for fire in this verse is ish, and it means burning, fiery, flaming, hot fire. This is not a small fire. 
that Joshua was plucked out of. This is a burning, flaming hot, burning and fiery fire that will never be extinguished. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and he stood before the angel. That's a picture of the church today. Joshua was actually, is actually the one appointed as a high priest in this time. And this is a prophetic reference to today. These prophecies of Zechariah 3 and 4 and 5, as we get into the text, you'll see these prophecies are being fulfilled in our day. And so here Joshua, who had been called and appointed as a high priest in the household of God, he was standing covered in filth. And so, too, the church has fallen away. The church has fallen into apostasy. A great delusion, a great falling away has occurred. And a great delusion has come down. And the people, it's not just their feet that need to be washed. The people are filthy. That's why the Lord, for the most part, has left the churches. Now, in the Laodicean church, the people don't even know the Lord left. Most of the people can't discern the presence of God. Perhaps they never knew the presence of God. Perhaps their entire Christian experience has been in the outer court of compromise. They wouldn't know the first thing about the anointing if it hit them in the head. And so they don't know that they've wandered away. 2,000 years ago, the religious leaders thought they had it all together. The Pharisees would stand up thanking the Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this sinner. And they were full of pride, full of themselves. And yet they were full of dead men's bones, and they didn't know it. So, too, at the time of the end, history repeats. The Word of God repeats. The prophetic word is fulfilled multiple times. And the history of man is fulfilled multiple times because nothing has changed. There's nothing new under the sun. And so the great falling away has, has led us to this point where even the high priest, the ones chosen of the Lord for this hour to be appointed as rulers, if you will, over the house of the remnant, even they are standing in filthy garments. And that word for filthy is the Hebrew word tetso, and it means soiled, as if with excrement. They're filthy. They're covered in their own filth. This is the high priest of God. This is a picture of the church today. You know, do we need to repent? Yes. Do we need to clean our garments? Yes. Do we need to return to the Lord? Yes and amen. The church has literally fallen into complete apostasy. Zechariah 3, verse 4, And he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment, a change of garments. And so the Lord, by divine intervention, removes the filth and removes the filthy garments. And Joshua is being cleansed. 
not just the washing of his feet, but literally the replacing of all of his garments. And that word for raiment in the Hebrew is makal atzah, and it means a mantle, a change of raiment. It's a robe or a garment that represents authority. And so the, the garment, the mantle or the robes, if you will, that are being placed on Joshua are robes that denote the responsibility that is being given to him as high priest in the house of God. A role or a burden or a duty. The mantle of leadership is literally being placed on the man who is prophetically represented here as Joshua. You know, and I think to at this point, maybe a, a year or so ago, as I woke in the morning, I heard an angel speak to me, and it, and it was loud, it was audible, and it was clear as day. And he said, they bear, not wear, but bear, as in a burden that is upon them. They bear kingly and priestly robes. Picture here, Joshua with new garments being given unto him. He will bear the robes of the king, and he will bear the robes of the high priest. Prophets wore a mantle or a garment as a sign of their calling from God. Samuel wore a mantle. We read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 27. As did Elijah, who threw his garment or his cloak around Elisha as a symbol of the authority of the ministry being passed on to Elijah. The prophet's mantle was a symbol of his authority and his responsibility as God's chosen spokesman to the nation. And so the putting on of a mantle by God upon a man was the evidence of God's choice and his election of that individual. In Jesus' own ministry, the mantle that came upon the Lord was in the Spirit when the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus as a dove. And the audible voice of God confirmed God's chosen servant, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the eternal Son of God. And so this mantle that is referenced in the text was symbolic showing that they, this individual was being chosen for God's own authority. And then in Zechariah verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5, we read, And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. And so they set a fair mitre upon his head, and they clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. And of course, this mitre is really a head dress like a turban or or a head garment if you will these are the garments of the high priest in exodus 28 verse 4 we read and these are the garments which they shall make a breastplate an ephod and a robe and a broided coat and a meter and a girdle and they shall make holy garments for aaron thy brother and his sons that they may minister unto me in the office of the priest so here we're seeing Joshua being restored to the office of a priest. And then the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, this is Zechariah, verse 6. That word for protested is the Hebrew word ud, and it means to repeat, to testify by reiteration. He didn't just say this once to Joshua. He repeated the admonition. And the word means to testify, to repeat, to charge earnestly, 
to solemnly testify, to give a warning, to give a witness. And so the angel says to Joshua, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my charge, then you shall also judge my house, and you shall keep my courts, and I will give you a place to walk among those that stand by me. And that is an incredible scripture. The Lord is literally saying to Joshua, if you walk in my ways, and that word for ways in this text is derek, and it means a road, but it, it, it actually translates a course of life or a mode of action, a custom, a manner, a highway. If your course of life is consistent with God's way, a single direction, a continuous progression from one point to the next in time or in space, the movement of the course of a life, not double-minded, no double life, no, you know, seeking the Lord by day and seeking the world by night. No, if you will walk in my ways in a single course or mode of action and continue therein, if you will keep my charge, and that word for keep is shamar, and it means to hedge about as with thorns, to guard, to protect, to attend to, to take heed to yourself and to look narrowly and to preserve and to save and to be sure and to be a watchman. Okay, this is the requirement of the true watchman of God, one who hedges himself about as with thorns, one who guards their heart unto the things of God, one who attends with all circumspection, looking narrowly to the things of God. Their eyes are on the narrow way, and that is their course of life, and they do not deviate. And they reserve and they preserve their way unto the ways of the Lord. And thus, they are called the watchmen of God. And if you will keep as a watchman, guarding and protecting your heart, Keeping my charge, says the Lord. And that word is mishmeret, and it means to have custody as a sentry, to be, in effect, a guard, performing an office or performing a duty, to have authority as a watcher. So here God is saying, if you are single-minded and stay in the course of your life, focused on the narrow way, and you keep my authority. You keep your watch over what is my custody, over that which is mine, saith the Lord. Then you will also judge my house, and you will keep my courts. That word for judge is the word dean, and it comes from the word Adonai, which means Lord or ruler or master. And this word for judge, which is a derivative of Adonai, it means to rule as a judge, to execute the judgment, to administer the judgment, and to plead the cause of the remnant. This is a serious 
position of authority that is being bestowed upon a man to act in the office of the Lord, in the judgment of God's house. You know, I think of Pharaoh promoting Joseph and telling Joseph, I'm making you king over Egypt, and in only when I'm in my throne will I have more power than you. Other than that, you will rule Egypt on my behalf. So, too, this prophecy of the future anointed one, prophecies of ones who will come with the very authority of the Lord to administer the judgment and to plead the cause of the remnant and to execute the judgment written. Zechariah goes on in verse 8, Hear now, O Joshua, my high priest, you and the fellow that sits before you, you are men to be wondered at, for behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch. And that word for wonder in Hebrew is mofeth, and it means conspicuousness, a miracle, a sign to be wondered at. And that word for conspicuous, it means easy to notice. It is defined as obvious. Attracting attention, unusual, remarkable, noticeable. It means to marvel and to be amazed and to be astonished and to stand in awe and be dumbfounded and to gape and to Google and be flabbergasted. God says, I'm bringing forth my servant, the branch, and it's going to blow your mind. You will be astonished. You will stand dumbfounded when the anointed ones are revealed in the presence of the remnant. And God calls these anointed ones who will be wondered at, who will be given the very authority of the Lord, he calls them my servant, the branch. I'm bringing forth my servant. They are his servants. They serve the Lord. They execute his office of authority, exactly as the Lord wants it done. And they do it not by the power of the flesh, but they do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they execute the office of the government of God perfectly, because they are led by the Lord in everything they say or do. And the Lord calls them the branch. And the word for the branch in Hebrew is semach, and it literally means a sprout, a spud. You guys ever sprouted seeds? <laughs> These little, right, little tiny stem and maybe a little tiny leaf, right? It's, I mean, compared to a tree, this is, this is nothing. It's a sprout. And it literally means a, a bud or that which grew or sprung up. And to sprout means literally to spring forth or to come forth from a seed, a sudden new growth. But, but this branch, which is really just a little sprout, this sprout doesn't come forth from a seed. This sprout comes forth right out of the root. And the root we're talking about is the root of Jesse. Even as Aaron's rod sprouted and budded with flowers and almonds, so the root of Jesse is now going to sprout at the end of the age. And that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth 
a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Okay, what is the stem of Jesse? It's talking about the tree of Israel. It's talking about the branch of Judah, and then the branch of the family line of Jesse, who is the father of David. And generations removed, Jesus came forth out of that stem or that branch of Jesse, the man Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty in the flesh, and the Son of God, came forth literally out of the stem of Jesse. But now a second fulfillment is going to occur, and a branch will grow out of the roots. Well, what is the root of Jesse? What's the root of the tree of Israel? Of course, it's the Lord people of God, the kingdom of God, came forth out of Jesus Christ. We were chosen in Jesus before the foundation of the world, as was David, as was Jesse, and all of the ecclesia of God. And we were chosen in Jesus Christ, who is the root of the kingdom of God. He's the source of all life in the kingdom. And now, according to the prophecy in Isaiah 11, a second fulfillment will occur. Jesus came 2,000 years ago out of the stem of Jesse, born as the son of David. But now a branch, a little sprout, is going to come forth out of the very root itself, and the root being Jesus Christ. And in a very real sense, and some may object to this teaching, but in a very real sense, these anointed ones, subject of this prophecy, can very rightly be called the grandsons of God. And we are all called the children of God. And we are all born again in the image of Jesus Christ. And, and in a very real sense, we will be the children of God. And we could be referred to as the grandchildren of God. If Jesus is our great King and Lord, and we are born again in His image, and the life of Jesus is born in us, then it's not such a it's not a great leap to use the metaphor that the elect and the ecclesia are really children of God in the sense that we're the grandchildren of God the Father, being born again in the image of Jesus. Now, some may object. And, well, fine. Go ahead and object. Um, going on with the study, this fulfillment, the branch that's about to come forth out of the root of Jesse, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, they will also fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 11, verses 2 through 5. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon them. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And He, the Lord, will make them of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. They will quickly discern good from evil, and they will not judge with the sight of their eyes, nor will they reprove from the hearing of their ears, but with righteousness they will judge on behalf of the poor, and they will reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and they will smite the earth with the rod of their mouth. The words of their mouth will bring forth the very judgment, and with the breath of their lips they will slay the wicked, and righteousness will be the girdle of their loins, and faithfulness the girdle of their reins. And you know, this clearly was fulfilled in the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the ministry of the man Jesus, who is the Son of God. It'll be fulfilled as the Lord comes in the messengers of his covenant in the branch and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. 
Isaiah 11, verses 10 through 12. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which will stand up for an ensign of the people. And to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest, his peace, will be glorious. And that word for ensign in this verse is the Hebrew word nes, and it means a flag, or a sign, or a flagstaff, a signal, a token, a banner, an ensign, a standard. And the text goes on, it will come to pass in that day that the Lord will set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant. And they will be left from Assyria and Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, which is Babylon, and Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he will set up an ensign for the nations, and he will assemble the outcasts of Israel, who are the remnant, gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. This is the second exodus at the end of the age. And the ensign, of course, which is the root of Jesse, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is going to lift himself up in the messengers of the covenant that he shall call. That's the prophecy in Malachi, where the Lord says, I will send you my messengers, my ensign, and they will prepare the way before me, says the Lord. And the Lord whom you seek, he will suddenly come to his temple. Which temple? Is he talking about the third temple that the Antichrist is going to build in the physical city of Jerusalem? No! The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the temple that the Lord has built, even the messenger of the covenant. We're the living temple now, brothers and sisters. The Lord's coming in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's going to be more profound than any of us ever imagined. And it's going to happen. It's going to be revealed, this ensign, this revelation, this wonder that is going to blow us away. We will be astonished at the glory that's revealed during the second exodus. And this revelation of the dual ministry, the two-part ministry of Jesus, as revealed in Isaiah 11, continues in 12 and in 13. And I'm briefly going to go through them before we jump back to Zechariah. In Isaiah 12, we hear the prayer and the rejoicing of the anointed remnant saying, In that day thou shalt say, in what day? In the day that the Lord has lifted himself up in his people. In the day in which the wonders are being beheld on the earth. And in the day that the second exodus is underway and God is moving with power to deliver his remnant. In that day you will say, O oh Lord, I praise thee. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. And now you comfort me. And so the remnant will sing, Behold, God has become my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah. He is now my strength and my song, and he has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, I will draw water out of the well of salvation. And in that day we will sing, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things. And this is now known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One in the midst of thee, 
And he's literally talking about in the very fiber, the center of the hearts of the people of God who are now being anointed with an anointing without measure. And then the, the prophecy transitions to yet another manifestation in Isaiah 13, and we read, lift up the banner upon a high mountain. That word banner is the ensign. It's the, the messenger. It's the anointed ones who are the wonders to behold. Lift them up. The Lord's going to lift them up and exalt the voice of them and shake the hand. Let them go into the gates of the nobles, and they're going to shake the nations. For the Lord says, I've commanded my sanctified ones. They've been purified and sanctified. They're no longer wearing the filthy garments of the Lord to see in deception. Now they've been preserved and restored to holiness before the Lord. So he describes them as sanctified ones. And the Lord says, I've also called my mighty ones for my anger. Even those that rejoice in my highness, they're not trying to lift themselves up. The anointed ones that have been cleansed, they don't have the defiling sin of pride anymore. They are all about lifting up the Lord. And the Lord says, I've called them for my anger. And the Lord musters the army for the battle, and they come from the end of heaven, even the Lord and they are the weapons of his indignation. This is the same people. This is the same fulfillment as the anointing of Joshua in chapter 3. And so we go back to Zechariah 3, verse 8. Hear now, Joshua, my high priest, you and the fellows that sit before you, you are men to be wondered at. And believe me, when this verse is fulfilled, you will understand the meaning of the word wonder, because the nations are going to be astonished. And God's going to lift this wonder up. The presence of God, the actual presence of God in an anointed remnant of his people, and the faces will be glowing. The light of the countenance of the presence of God will be upon their faces. And the Lord is going to bring out his servant, the little spud. And the Lord goes on, he says, Behold, I've, the stone that I've laid before Joshua, and this is the cornerstone, and upon this stone are seven eyes, the seven spirits of God pictured as seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord. God's going to literally write in this stone, even as he wrote in the tablets that he gave to Moses under the old covenant. Now the Lord's going to write in the stone, cornerstone, the witness of the new covenant. And he says, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. And in that day, saith the Lord, you'll call everyone your neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. And so praise God. That engraving in the stone is going to bear witness to Jesus Christ before all of Israel. And that engraving is going to testify that Yeshua is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. And it's also going to testify that Jesus Christ is of the Lord. And through the Lord's salvation, through Jesus Christ, we have received mercy, grace, and truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so here we've been shown, if you will, a picture of the separation and the sanctification of the high priest Joshua, who represents 
these anointed remnants who represent the leadership that the Lord will call. And then we get another vision presented to us in Zechariah chapter 4, and I'm going to go through chapter 4 quickly. The angel that talked with me came again and awakened me as a man out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What do you see? And I looked, and behold, a candlestick of gold with bowls on top and seven lamps. This, of course, is a picture of the menorah, which represents the Holy Spirit, represents the light of the presence of God in the temple of the Lord. And he goes on, and he says, And there are two olive trees standing by the menorah, one on the right and one on the left. And I answered, and I spoke to the angel, and I said, What are these, my Lord? And the angel said to me, You know not what these be? And so, you know, the Lord would say to us today, do you not know what these two olive trees are? Do you, of course, we understand what the menorah represents. It's the presence of the Lord. It's the presence of the Shekinah glory of God. It's the presence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit of the Lord. And why do we not know what the olive trees are? We were just shown in chapter 3 the sanctification of one of the olive trees. But, of course, Zechariah says, no, I don't know, my Lord. And then he answered and said unto me, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel means one who came out of Babylon, one who was born in the confusion of Babylon and in the captivity of Babylon and in the land of Babylon, but one who had the wisdom to come out of Babylon. And that's what Zerubbabel means. This is the word of the Lord unto those who had the wisdom to come out of Babylon, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And then in verse 7, Who are you, O great mountain? Now, of course, he's speaking to the high places of of the, the false religious systems of the world. What are you, O great mountain of deception? Before Zerubbabel, you will be leveled as a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone, shouting, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hand of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation of this house. That was the rebuilding of the temple in the time of Nehemiah. And his hand shall also finish it. And you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who has despised the day of small things? You know, think of the branch that's just a little sprout, a little teeny branch and a little tiny leaf. You would think it's insignificant, except it came forth out of the root of God. And so even though it's a small thing, it's going to have a big impact. And the Lord is saying, don't despise the small beginnings in the kingdom of God. For they will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. With those seven, under the power of the anointing, these are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro through the whole earth. And then I answered I, and I said unto him, What are these two olive trees that are on the right side of the menorah and on the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, And what be these olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil of themselves? And he answered and he said, You don't know what these are? Zechariah said, no, my Lord. Well, this is obvious. These are the two anointed ones. And they stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. And if you remember back in in chapter 3, when the Spirit of God was protesting with Joshua, you know, that he 
learn to walk in the ways of God and to keep the charge of God, that if he did this, he would be given the authority to judge the house of God and also the courts of the Lord, but he would also be given power to walk among those that stand by the Lord. And so here, at the end of chapter 4, we are told that these olive branches, these two olive trees, are two anointed ones who have the authority to stand in the very presence of the Lord of the whole earth. And of course, this is a picture, a prophetic picture, of the commissioning of the two witnesses of the book of Revelation. And they are ready to begin their ministry. And so we will see in the remaining chapters of Zechariah the beginning of the judgment of God and the events of the Great Tribulation and then the final deliverance of Israel. That will wait for another time as we're rapidly coming to the close of this one-hour teaching. But, you know, I just love this book of Zechariah because it's such a beautiful picture into the events at the end of the age, which are described for us in in the book of Revelation and in the other prophetic writings, but it ties everything together. And, you know, it's not just the two anointed ones who stand before the Lord, but if you understand, these two witnesses who will bear testimony of the Lord in the very last days, in the final period of, of the Great Tribulation, they will also minister to the remnant of God in the wilderness. And, you know, we will see this anointing without measure. We will see these wonders. We will witness with our eyes this glory. And, you know, the Laodicean church, if they do belong to the Lord, they're not going to lose their salvation. The Lord doesn't lose his people. You know, if they've received the salvation of the Lord, they will be there. They'll be the dead in Christ raised on that day before the, the remnant are caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds. But the Laodicean church, and that word Laodicea in Greek, in Greek, it actually breaks down to mean the church of many opinions, or the church of many divisions, or the church of many demons and many deceptions, because that's all the opinions of men can bring, is deception, division, and ultimately the dominion of the demonic, which is why the church, and even Joshua in chapter 3, was pictured in filthy garments. And, and it's not just the dirt from walking around the world. It's the, the dirt that came from within the people who were not yet consecrated unto the Lord. The things that defile man come from within him. And that's the picture of the defilement in chapter 3. Three, the people have been defiled from the sin that is within. But the Lord's going to remove the iniquity. He's going to change the garments of his people. He's going to clothe them with the garments of the righteousness of the king and the garments of the high priest. And then they will be able to sing with the saints of, of throughout the ages in Isaiah 12 where they say, Lord, you were angry with me. And the Lord was angry. He's been angry with all of us. I mean, look, I get angry at my children. If you're parents, you know what I'm talking about. There are times when you get angry with your children, too, and, and times where you make them eat the fruit of their own way so they learn, and other times where you administer judgment and justice to turn them back to righteousness. And so our Father in Heaven is the same. There's been times when the Lord has been angry with us. 
but his anger will turn away from his remnant because they're going to return unto him with all of their hearts, and so they will be restored in glorious, righteous garments. And then they will be protected because they're the treasure, they're the precious precious remnant of the Lord, and, and so the Lord will give command to his angelic army and to his army that he's bringing forth into the earth to go and deliver his beloved ones. And the Laodicean nation, well, if they belong to the Lord, they will go through the fire. They'll be purified in the fire. And, you know, unfortunately for them, they will not see the glory of the Lord that's going to come down in the final day of the Lord, in the final period of the Great Tribulation. They will not be allowed to witness the glory. And that was by the commandment and the judgment of the Lord. They may be going to heaven, but they're not going to the place with the remnant in the wilderness where the wonders and the glory will be beheld. And um, it's too bad because that's really something you don't want to miss. And so with that, I think we'll stop at the end of um, Zechariah chapter 4 as we've now had the revealing of the of the two witnesses who are presented as two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the entire earth. Amen. Thank you for that, Benjamin. Folks, you... You've uh, you've seen this um, wonderful message here, and and it should be something that drives you to look into this Word of God. As Benjamin was you know talking here, and even in from the beginning of the show, you cannot in this hour trust your walk with God to any man. It is through the Scriptures and by the Spirit of the Living God does He reveal truths. That is in the Word. And as we are looking tonight and looking at these deep truths in the Word, find a church that you can hardly go into nowadays and hear deep insights anymore. That's why you gotta you gotta study this stuff. Like Benjamin's sharing tonight, there's so much treasure in here to be found. And and Benjamin, you've said the instructions for the last day—they're right in the Word. They're there. What's going to happen is detailed for us and oh man what is coming in the hours and the days ahead is going to blow our minds and and you know benjamin remember when the lord said you know that even greater works than he we would do and i've read right. through the works of the apostles in the in the new testament and they, and they were amazing but i didn't even hardly find something better than than jesus did so I know that stuff's still coming. I mean, I don't think people are grasping what's about to take place. Yes, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible. And at the same time, the remnant, God's people, are going to be twerking miracles, not by their flesh. No, 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 not by the flesh. But in the spirit of the living God. Because he will be living through his people. And, and it. It's it's an amazing time we are entered. We are actually already entered into the clock. The sands are running down, folks. You know, you're not going to keep flipping around to get more time. We need to make this decision now. Live like tomorrow's the last day, but have peace in God, knowing that it will be okay until it comes. Brother Benjamin, thank you so much for what you shared tonight. Truly, thank you for wonderful word. Well, praise God. You know, Zechariah means the Lord remembers. And so, you know, the Lord has remembered his promise to do a greater work. And behold, it's coming, and it's going to be 
many, many, many times greater because he's going to come as God this time, and he's going to reveal his glory to the remnant of his people, and he's also going to reveal himself to the nations as the righteous judge of eternity. This is going to be... You don't want to miss this, because it's going to be something that we probably talk about for eternity in the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining in tonight. We'll get this posted up on to YouTube also. And Benjamin, blessings to you and for coming on. And with all that, I'd like to say, everyone, blessings. Catch out our archives uh, either on YouTube, remnantcall.com, or on Blog Talk Radio. Check out the archives. Um, you know, get into the Word. Don't take anybody's word for anything. Don't even, don't even take anything Benjamin or I have said. If you don't take it to the Lord, you can't trust it. You gotta take it to the Lord. Don't ever forget that. Trust no man in this hour. And with that, this is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin saying from the Remnant Call. Good night and shalom. Lord, trust it inside. Lord, trust it inside.